From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. Love is in the air, and it's all about flowers, cards, and candy during the Valentine's Day season. Everyone wants, has, or is looking for love. We delve into the topic of love and relationships with two Philadelphians who've heard from countless couples about their struggles. The core need is that we all want to belong. And so when you have a romantic partner, you're belonging to this unit. And it's also that recognition, hopefully, of seeing yourself. Visit Philadelphia is honoring Black History Month by elevating the voices of Black authors. Jared A. Howard tells us all about it. We need to learn more about Black history. They say it's Black history, but it's all of our history. That's all coming up on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Love is in the air in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. So we wanted to get into a talk about relationships and finding love and that age-old question, how do you make it last? Is there such a thing as a soulmate? Are our standards too high when we're looking for a mate? Is marriage for everyone? Let's talk about it with our guests. Philly's own Edward Johnson is here with us. He's also known as Dr. Love. Dr. Love spent over 30 years as a hair salon owner, listening to the frustrations of women about men, love, and relationships. He turned that interest into a full-fledged business, which includes speaking engagements, courses, and even master classes on men, women, and relationships. Also joining us is Nicole Blackson. She's also from Philadelphia and is managing director of Love Now Media and host of the podcast Conscious Connections. There exists a safe space where they can explore the conscious, deliberate ways in which couples are intentional about love. Everyday couples, all types of couples, blended families and the like. Welcome to both of you to Bridging Philly. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. I feel welcomed. Good. I'm glad you feel welcome. You came in here with flowers, Dr. Love. So, I mean. Spreading love. Spreading love. (laughs) Spreading love. Absolutely. Everybody is either looking for love, they have love, they were in love. It's an emotion that everybody needs. It's a core emotion. It's a core need that we all desire, want. And should have. What is it about that deep spiritual connection to another human being that we crave so much in terms of love? Nicole, I'll start with you. The core need is that we all want to belong. Yeah. And so when you have a romantic partner, you know, you're belonging to this unit, this union. And it's also that recognition, hopefully, of seeing yourself, right? And to that mm. point of those good parts and those not so favorable parts. So I think it's... um is to share with another person, to be in communion with them, to have a place that you belong, where you feel like you're accepted, but also it's a place of self-discovery. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Dr. Love? I define love as a personality that brings on a behavior and deep feelings. So when you look at love, you look at a personality and you say, I'm in love with this person or this individual. Well, the behavior is what also has to accompany this feeling, this emotion. Right. Okay. So when we start understanding the connection, uh, there is something that we have as a human need, and that human need is to be 
spoken for, appreciated, and validated. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we need that. We need that validation. I used to oftentimes say we need women and men in successful relationships. It is crucial to have men and women in successful relationships because that's the foundation of our society. Yeah. Okay. For those who look for love and can't seem to find it, what would you say are some of the more common mistakes that women and men tend to make when they're looking, quote unquote, for love? Well, I would say, as I told this young lady, um, I was at an event and a lady, I was leaving. She said, what would you tell a young woman uh, like me that's 26? What would you say to me? So I took a moment and I thought about it. I said, uh, what are you doing with your life? She said, I'm in college now. I said, the two most important questions that a woman can ask herself, number one, is what will you spend your life doing? The second most important question is who will you spend your life with? Uh, the answer to those questions begin to set her up to begin to understand her first relationship is her relationship with herself. Uh, that's what I do. I'm a woman's relationship empowerment coach. I rescue men by empowering women. And the man has to be rescued, but the woman has to be empowered. And the self-love that she has, she transfers it to that man. So it's not so much in terms of looking for the love, it's transferring the love. Hmm. Okay. Nicole, what would you say to that? It's a couple of things I want to say, mm -hmm. but let me first answer your question in regards to um, just like, what would you say to that woman? For me, it's not so much. I would just say, stop looking and mm -hmm. just be right. So I, I find that people often know exactly what type of partner they want. Mm -hmm. However, they don't decide and determine what type of partner they need to be. Right. So instead of looking outside of you, like be, mm -hmm. if you want someone who's kind, make sure you're kind. You want somebody who's communicative? Make sure you communicate well. Right. You want somebody who's emotionally intelligent? Make sure you're emotionally intelligent. Um, now, what you said, Dr. Love, it was going off. The, the <laughs> thoughts were just going off. It so when you bad. said the woman is to be empowered so she can rescue the man, that is so contrary to the fairy tale. Oh, right? yes. That we've been um, indoctrinated with. Usually the woman needs rescuing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hmm, interesting concept because it's so different. Yeah. Then it's also makes me feel like, oh, the woman is still woman, womaning, womaning. And it's woman, just, woman she is, is womaning, womaning, womaning. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, so even womaning. when she's empowered, there is still so much work for her to do within the relationship. So I do challenge that thought process. I like it because it's different than the usual narrative. But then I challenge it because it's like, well, is he allowing himself to be empowered as well right. within his own personal life outside of this relationship because I, I think that's the the key right but you, hit, you hit the nail on the head when you said to her stop looking right Right. yeah absolutely see so the rescue is not something that you do the rescue is someone that you be right see, and i did hear that see, in what you said it's the being right see what i'm saying see if you will you, attract what you are no see if you be who you're destined to be it does what it needs to do in him so it's not a physical work it's a becoming of who you are. You understand? See, a man doesn't need a woman to help him. He needs a woman to inspire him. And if he's inspired, he will help himself, her, and everyone else involved. Okay. You understand? See, but that sounds like we're already in a relationship here. It sounds like we're already in the relationship and we're doing what we need to do to sustain each other. But what about that initial I need to attract this type of a person. I need to attract this type of a person without being too thirsty and without, you know, being too desperate, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
there are mistakes that we make when we go out there and we, we put ourselves on the line. We, we put, wear our hearts on our sleeves and it looks like we are looking. I mean, it's something that is hard to hide when you are actually out there looking for love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you could attract the wrong type of person and kind of be taken advantage of when you're so out there, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, woman, whatever the situation is. Yeah, I think you run the risk um, sometimes if you're not vigilant about not falling into partnering with potential. Mm-hmm. Because we all have it in us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if I have to inspire you so much for you to do dot 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 dot, that sounds like too much work, right? Now, to your point, if we're together and we're building together, you know, I bounce off you, you bounce off me. Great. However, at the inception, it is not my job to solely inspire you for your becoming and unbecoming, because that, that's the real part. Mm-hmm. What are you releasing too to to be ready for this type of relationship? So. To your point, the woman, she has her own purpose. She's connected to that. So she should have a counterpart, a partner who is doing the same. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And if they're not doing the same, they have to first acknowledge that. And still, that's a part of their becoming to say, like, you know, I haven't found my purpose yet. Right. Do that on your own time. Mm-hmm. Naturally, I want to do that. Right. Naturally, I want to be inspired. But I'm not going to make it a job to mm-hmm. do that. Right. Therein mm-hmm. lies the womaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but Dr. Love, you did make a point that I 100% agree with. And I think me and Nicole at the same time, when you said the woman was 26, we were like 20. When I hear 20 anything, I go back to my 20s and realize how <laughs> absolutely ignorant of everything that I was in my 20s. But you couldn't tell me that back then. Right, right. And one of the things about myself in my 20s is that I did not love myself. Okay. And I was looking for someone else to validate me and Mm -hmm. to love me for me to be worthy. These are things that I had to work through and understand, you know, later now I'm, you know, a married mother of two, age 54, you know, been married for 20 something years. You know, I realized that that's who I was back then in in my 20s. Like I really tended to like in my previous relationship, loved that person more than I loved me and would do anything please stay with me because Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything Mm -hmm. that you want Mm -hmm. me to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not looking at myself (laughs) like, Oh, but what about you and how Mm -hmm. you see yourself? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us put ourselves out there like that. Let's talk about what landed you on this particular path to explore conversations about relationships. Nicole, let's start with you. Ah, I was that child who the first time I went to the movies by myself, I went to go see Love Jones. Okay, I remember that. So I think I was about 12 or 13. Mm. Okay. I saw it about five times in the movie theaters. And my friends and I, we watched it every day practically for that whole summer. What was it about that movie that made you see it so many times? One, it was the arts, right? You got to see people who look like you. Mm-hmm. Um, older version, nonetheless. Experiencing relationships and a group of friends. And then it was just the love, the relationship that wasn't so fairy tale-ish. Mm-hmm. However, it was palpable. It was strong. Uh, it was still something you wanted a little bit of, even though it was messy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's something that you think about now as an older person, like, huh, it was kind of toxic. Mm, yeah. Dr. Love, 30 years of listening to women in hair salons, I think you know a thing or two about what uh, women have to say as far as what they are looking for in a partner. When did you know that you had something here and that you would be able to actually help women? Well, it started for me when I was 16. Uh, One of my classmates in high school was going through some challenges at home with uh, some inappropriate behavior. And I came home and I asked my mother, I said, Mother, uh, so-and-so is going through this here. Have you ever experienced so? My mother got quiet. 
And I realized she didn't answer the question, but she said to me, son, you would be surprised and amazed at what women have gone through and what women are going through as we speak. I put my mother on a spot and I realized after working with women and hearing the women's story in the salon, then I began to say, the story that I'm hearing in the salon is the story that my mother began to build into me mm-hmm. as her first son. Okay. She didn't want her son to do women wrong. So I began to hear the pain of my mother, the stories that she had gone through. And I said, boy, I need to do something about that. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Nicole, I'm imagining in your podcast, you talk to some couples about their relationships mm-hmm. and the inner workings of them. Talk about some of the common denominators of the couples that you speak to who really delve deeply into their relationships and how it either works or doesn't work. Yeah, um, people enter into relationships, uh, one person. But once you get into the nitty gritty and you start experiencing life, it's going to change you. True. You know, so I, I think that if you're not coming to a relationship to be changed, to grow, to be challenged in some way, then you're really not built for a relationship. And I found that all the couples that I spoke with, they had a unlearning and a growing process. Okay. And really unlearning some of the ways that they saw were toxic. Okay. Yeah, we all bring into our relationships our our own baggage, so to yeah. speak. Even if we try to cloud them or try to like, sweep them under the rug, they're going to come out. Mm-hmm. Right. They're going to come out mm-hmm. right. uh, in different situations. And a pastor once told me that the only thing that keeps couples together is the commitment to stay together. Mm-hmm. Because a zillion right. things can happen to bring you apart. You yeah. have to say, I'm in this because I'm committed to it. No yeah. matter what, we're mm-hmm. going to work through it. We're going to do what we have to do. Life is going to life. That's life right. is going to life. That's right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's, that's the line that I like to use. Do you care enough? See, I care enough. It's done. Okay. Is everybody ready for love? Everybody's looking for it. Everybody wants it. <laughs> but is everybody ready for it? Absolutely not. Because <laughs> <laughs> to the that? point, it's going to change you. So if you're that person, I'm just this way. I don't want to change. Um, I'm fine the way I am. I don't eat dot, 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 dot. I'm so independent. You are not ready for love. Mm. You are not ready for it. If you don't have a level of humility, mm a level of full acceptance of yourself as you're discovering yourself. Because who you are at 20 versus 30 versus 40 versus 50, you're changing and evolving. So is this other human being. And if you don't even know yourself on a deep level, Mm. you can't even really describe what love is. You're just describing the behaviors of what felt good. Mm -hmm. And the person that actually loves you, they're probably a problem for you. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Because they won't allow you to just be who you were 10 years ago. I feel like love is an evolution. It is a calling Mm -hmm. for a higher level of self. Yeah. You know, while there is acceptance wherever you are, whatever stage you are, if I'm loving you for life for life, who wants you to stay the same 20 years later? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. What type of love is that? So love is allowing each other to grow. Yes. I love love is freedom. Maya Angelou, I believe, said it. Love is freedom. I love it. Have you discovered any of that yourself, Nicole, in talking with different couples? Yeah, so I think um, for me, we do a bit of a disservice if we don't open it up to talk about um, same-sex couples Um, and and just these, I guess, non-traditional couples, if you will, uh, definitely not shown in mainstream as much because everything is not so gender-specific. Yeah. When you speak with same-sex couples, Mm -hmm. for example, and, you know, 
Is there any difference between what same-sex couples are going through in their relationships and finding love than the so-called traditional couples? Or are we all dealing with the same things? We're all looking for the same things. For the most part, we're dealing with the same things. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it really is just a human stuff. It's mm-hmm. just life life Um, I think the difference with same-sex couples is that, obviously, there may be, at times, a level of um, outside um, discord that can affect the relationship, Mm. whether that be society, whether that be family, um, birth and chosen, you know, maybe even outside friendships where that has an impact. And then if you deal with sexuality, you know, as a spectrum, if you're talking about um, first time being in the same sex relationship, same gender loving relationship, that's different for the person versus who has been doing that for years, decades, who's always known. But now this person has just discovered like, oh, wow, I did not know that I could love another woman right. in this way. So it's going to be challenges within that. Is the person that has probably been in relationships for 20 years, their adult life versus the person who has said, no, I never get in relationships. I've been super single. You have been my first. Right. So that could be frustrating in and of itself for the person who's already known who they are for years and entering into a relationship who's so-called a newbie, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have all those different outside things on um, religion. You know, so so many different things that you may have to work through yeah. within the same gender loving relationship that may not come up at all in opposite gender relationships. Right. So I do think that um, that can be an added pressure, an added stressor, and it takes a level of delicacy. Yeah. Um, and sometimes even privacy, you know, which is not an open forum like how we're discussing it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody may not say who their partner is because of a fear of scrutiny right. or judgment, all of these different things. So I, I do think that um, it can be different in that way. However, <laughs> the majority day-to-day, it is the same. Yeah. Paying bills, taking care of children, exactly. going to work. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's just life life in. Yeah. It's life life in. Yeah. When I ask you this, how come you said it like that? <laughs> you know, you said you was going to do this. You didn't do that. It's the same stuff. Yeah. As we are here in Valentine mode, everyone's expecting flowers, cards, candy, and, you know, jewelry and romance. Do we put too much emphasis on romance? No. I just think we put too much emphasis on the holidays. I don't think you can put too much emphasis on the romance. But I also don't think that romance is probably what everybody thinks. I think it's the little subtleties of just sending a little thinking of you text. I think it's... I know you drink coffee every morning, so I already got that brewing for you. Mm. And I think it's built on capitalism, too. So that's, that's a whole other thing. That's true, too. Mm-hmm. Boy, you, you hit the nail on the head. Every day is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, but, you know, you got to remember, America, we're about the holiday. True. We're about the money. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so you're going to have Some Valentine's Some people's love language is gift-giving, so. Yes, you know what I'm saying? That. Then the roses double. But that's right. Okay, you can, get, you can buy a dozen roses, that's why you, you know what I'm saying? you have to get them a few days before. Do you understand? Get, get the bucket of water and keep them. And keep them. <laughs> On February the 15th, back to regular price. Mm. <laughs> and then February 15th, we're back to not talking to each other, yes. you know, going right. through the day-to-day yes. and yes. not keeping that spark. You know, I know we don't have a lot of time, and this show can go on forever. We could talk about so many things. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't talk about people straying from relationships and why people cheat. Now, I know your specialty mm. is why men cheat. We mm-hmm. could talk about that all day long. But mm-hmm. give me your take on infidelity in relationships, Dr. Love. The fundamental key ingredient in all relationships is trust. Can I trust you to be who you say you're going to be or to do what you say you're going to do? When it comes down to having extramarital affairs, 
there's the chemistry, there's something that happens between two people which causes you to begin to look at them differently. Also accompanied with the fact that things at home are not like they need to be or should be, we have that tendency to go astray and to go into other extracurriculum activities. It happens. However, you want to understand it's so detrimental to if we do come back together. It's so much more garbage. We already bring out our personal garbage, but now when you go out and have an affair, she has an affair, he has an affair, whoever has an affair, now when it comes back together, now we have a lot on the line. The couples you've, you've spoken with, Nicole, have they gone into uh, issues of infidelity and straying? And do men and women cheat for different reasons? I think they both cheat for the same reasons because they lack courage. Okay. Uh, for me, like I said, I believe that love is freedom. So if I'm evolving and I am at a different place than I was three months ago, three years ago, and if I am highly considering being with someone else physically or even emotionally, that takes courage for me to say that. Um, I have interview couples who I know have openness within their relationships, you know, so they're already aware mm. of like this person needs something else that perhaps I can't provide. I'm okay with that. Okay. So for me, no matter where I am, whether I'm single or I'm partnered, what I feel like I want, what I feel like I need, if I don't have the courage to say it and to follow with it, that's a me thing. If it's not enough for you to leave, <laughs> then why do it? There is so much more we could <laughs> unpack. <laughs> Um, Nicole, where can we find you and where can we listen to your Conscious Connections podcast? Conscious Connections, you can listen to that on all podcast platforms. You can find it uh, Love Now Media on the YouTube channel, also Love Now Media at IG. You can find me personally at Nicole Blackson Speaks at IG um, and Nicole Blackson at LinkedIn. Okay. I'm not on a lot of social media, so. Okay. That's about it for me. Oh, you're not missing much, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Where can we find you, you Dr. One, Love? You've seen them all. Uh, <laughs> my handle is Dr. The Real Deal Love. That's drtherealdeallove.com. Those are my social media handles, and uh, I'm not hard to find. Okay. All right. Well, happy Valentine's Day to you both, if that means anything to you. Um, Thank you so much. Same to you. All right. Edward Johnson, <laughs> a.k.a. Dr. Love. And of course, Nicole Blackson. Thank you both for joining us. I'm Bridging Philly for our love edition. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Visit Philadelphia is partnering with Little Free Library and giving away $1,500 worth of banned books by Black authors. Let's learn more with Shara in the City. Angela Val, you head Visit Philadelphia, Black History Month. What have you got going on? <laughs> we have a lot going on. Philadelphia is the birthplace of America, and we understand that our history in America can be complex, but we celebrate it here in Philadelphia, and we do that by also telling Black stories, which are also American history stories. Exactly. So many people want to separate the two, but they really are the same. It's just from a different view. So let's talk about this particular view. 
This view really is taking everyone's story, the good, the bad, why you came, why you stayed, and making sure that people know that no matter who you are, we've all contributed to this country. And the best way to do that is to tell people the stories, the personal stories of people. And this project is really dear to my heart and to the staffs for our Little Freedom Libraries project. We have 13 locations where you can see a little freedom library. So very similar to the little libraries that you might see in neighborhoods or shops throughout the city. Same concept, you can leave one, take one. But in these little freedom libraries are African-American banned books, both a mixture of fiction and nonfiction, children's books, adult books, and teen books. I love it, that's so Philly. It you know, so it's current, it's really setting trends. So this has never been done before, not that I know of. No, we have not done this before. I feel very strongly that this city's core is that, you know, brotherly love and sisterly love. And to do that, that means that we have to be both welcoming and inclusive, but also create a sense of belonging, not just for our residents, but also for our visitors. And the best way to do that is to invite people in so that they can also learn about each other's ethnicity, their history, and their race. So how does this particular event do that? These little Freedom Libraries are gonna be up for the next several months. We worked with organizations in the city, the Free Library of Philadelphia, and black bookstore owners such as um, Harriet's Bookshop and Uncle Bobby's to help us select these books. Uh, these books will also um, be replaced if someone takes them. So we encourage you to take them with you and pass it on to someone else. This is the place, even if we do it our own way, even if other cities and states are banning books other places. I hear it, and what I hear is the echoing of democracy. Yes, <laughs> we're the birthplace of modern day democracy. How can people participate? Please go to one of the many locations. We have them in neighborhoods, but also in a lot of downtown locations. So you could go to the Betsy Ross House, Mother Bethel, AME Church, Philadelphia Museum of Art, the Johnson House, but also the Frankfurt CDC, you could find it, and the South Street Head House District and the Columbia North YMCA. And if you have a book that you don't see in these little libraries, put one in that you think somebody should read too. Yeah, so I had to see it for myself. And of course, I took the Little Freedom Library Challenge and hit the trails. First stop was the Germantown Historical Society, where I ran into the Carters, Lorraine and her daughters, Jaquiana and Tiana. And yes, they had books in their hands. The Little Freedom Library is excellent, outstanding. In fact, uh, we took books and when we came back out of the museum, many were already taken, they were gone. When we first went around the first time, she was like, oh, let's get it when we come back out. And I was like, no, we gotta get it now. They're not gonna be there when we come out. Yeah, no, I appreciated the range of topics and the books um, suitable for different age groups and interests and all related to the black experience and black history, so. We looked at the 1619 Project. There were several books in Inside the bin on the way in. Tiana, she took one book on the way out, and I thought, mm, we need to do a family book reading with all of this. So we're totally thrilled. Now, the next stop was the historic Johnson House on Germantown Avenue, where I met Malcolm and his two friends, Jules and Sean. This is the Underground Railroad. If you go inside, you'll see this little library called the Little Freedom Library. This is how they're celebrating Black History Month. What are your thoughts? It's free, which is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's wonderful because we need to learn more about Black history. They say it's Black history, but it's all of our history. You know, everybody needs to know this. It's great. It's cool. I love it. <laughs> so then I went into the Johnson house and met K. 
Kimberly, who had an entirely different perspective. More than anything, I love the rap of the book, Sand. It's the genius of it. It's the making it look like hip hop so that they go and they look for music, but the music is in the story. Now these little libraries, they're popping up all over the city and they're just for Black History Month. I think that we as a people, we started with oral history from generations and generations to come. The way we told our story has always been through oral history. So the fact that they ban books, what they don't understand is that it's in our collective that we have wisdom. It's in our collective that the words that they're using are springing forth from our very ideas. So whether they put them in a box or they take them off the shelves, we still have a way to tell our message, to tell our story. So I welcome all the banned books. I encourage people to go get the banned books. I encourage them to use those same voices and go out and talk to the community and spread the word and let people know that no matter what, you can't take our voice. We're a collective. Thanks for joining us on Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on X at Bridging Philly, myself at Raquel on Air, and you can read Shara Day at Shara Day, that's D-A-E. For Shara Day Howard and our producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.